0: The mules are in the corral. Welcome to Mule Talk, and I'm Cindy K. Roberts, your host. But first, a message from our sponsor. Hey, all you mule jumpers! Join us for the first annual Henrietta Mule and Donkey Days and Mule Jump and Trade Days on Saturday and Sunday, October 22nd through the 23rd, 2022, at Nichols Park in Henrietta, Oklahoma. A two-day family play day event that includes fun and western show classes for mules and donkeys, starting with a parade down Main Street featuring John Payne. The one-armed bandit as the headliner of entertainment at this mega event prizes added money and ten fifty dollar fuel cards to be given away throughout the day for more info call 918-290-9315 or go to their website henrietta mule donkey day.com on this week's episode of mule talk I
1: am on location in Oklahoma, and I'm visiting with an exotic animal trainer. And her name is Terry Bowen Lindley, and she's from Oklahoma City. Terry, welcome to Mule Talk.
2: Thank you for having me.
1: I've heard so much about you. You have this gift of working with animals. How did you
2: get started in the business? Well, horses, I started with professionally in 1979, and it went from there to. Uh, I was showing 4-H and APHA through high school, junior high, Um, and then after I graduated, I went to the racetrack. I rode racehorses for 18 years, and when I left the racetrack in about 2000, I went to all breeds, all disciplines, and problem issues with horses, and so specialized in that, Um, and then it's been about 12 years ago, I'm thinking that I got my hands on my very first camel that I handled. And realized quickly how smart they are. Um, and uh,
1: where was this the one hump or the two hump variety, or which which breed of camel? This
2: particular camel was a dromedary, a one hump. Okay. And I trained it just the same way I do my horses. I didn't know any other camel trainers. I didn't have camel equipment and nothing. I just trained him like my horses, and he progressed way quicker. We use you; they're way less reactive and they're way smarter actually than horses are.
1: Which which one spits? Is it the one hump, camel. the two hump camels? Okay, I wanted to narrow that down in case I ever see one.
2: Right. Okay. <laughs> Just, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, the one hump camels do not spit.
1: And and you've worked with uh, these camels. Uh, well, you still do.
2: Right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. A lot. Yeah, more than anything, actually. Um, but with the with that initial camel, um, then somebody brought me a zebra. And I made huge progress with her in a pretty short period of time, which was amazing. And she was a mama-raised yearling um, when I when I first got my hands on her. And then somebody says, you know, well, I went up to another place to work with their camels and other animals they have. And I met this really nice steer, And I threw a saddle on him. <laughs> and it just blew up this past decade since then with the camels, the cattle... I've trained reindeer, I've trained on giraffes, um, horses, camels, zebras, reindeer, um, alpacas, llamas, exotic cattle. That pretty much covers it. (laughs)
1: I'll be darned. What about an ostrich? Have you had to train
2: an ostrich? No. No, no, I don't care for big birds. I don't care (laughs) for big cats. I don't care for big bears, uh, you know. I've never tried to train a reptile, you know I mean? Okay, <laughs> I stick right. with a large... You, you draw the line somewhere, yeah, right? I, I stick with the large stock, domestic and non-domestic, pretty much. But the principles of the handling and the training and relationship all remain pretty congruent throughout all those species that I do work so, with.
1: So, of course, you have to be very... Um uh, calm. You have to have a gentle demeanor and be non-threatening, but probably firm in your training. Yeah, um,
2: the situation, the animal, the sure. history, what's in the moment, what's going on, on where my energy level and my intention is. I have to adapt to meet that animal where they're at.
1: Exactly. That's very well said. So um, do you have to watch your caffeine intake or something? No, I mean, does no. that give you the jitters? <laughs> okay,
2: I had to ask. <laughs> No, I don't know. I it, I I don't know. I've just I've been I've trained so many thousands of animals over the years that it's just something that just comes natural to me. Well,
1: that's great. So do you keep a diary or, or a doc- don't don't you document your work, though?
2: Facebook is probably, you know, that's where everything's pretty well documented in the past 12 years.
1: So it's not like this is day three and I'm going to try to put the saddle on this uh, giraffe today. Or- <laughs> you
2: know, I mean, some of my jobs I, I actually will, will kind of document almost to that degree, but okay. not a lot. Um, I just post cute pictures and videos of what I'm doing. It's more for advertising than anything
1: okay so you're out in the element like every day pretty much yeah. do you wear sunscreen
2: no, never have it <laughs> can't you tell <laughs>
1: i don't know i i just sorry i have all these questions for you <laughs> i mean you're you're you've got grit that's definitely, definitely you
2: I, definitely i do yeah yeah i mean i'm not not bad for granny yeah
1: okay so <laughs> do you uh give credit to your parents or your upbringing or well my mom you know bought me
2: some horses when i was a kid oh, yeah. but she grew up on a dairy i mean so i mean it was through 4-h and mm. you know my other friends really that i learned to ride and you know uh, etc i started my first horse under saddle in 1972 mm, okay. so i was 10 yes and she was a, she's a little spanish barb mustang um and she had better sense than I did, which is why we did so well. Really, all things considered, <laughs> she's a tough little horse. I had her for thirty-one years. Well,
1: they are tough little little horses, aren't they? Mm-hmm. You you do mule training, right? Mule and and donkeys. Okay. Oh yeah. Tell me all about that. All of them
2: too. Um, I mean, I'm I'm exclusively a mobile trainer. I work nationwide, and so most of my jobs are about three days long. Um, And I go to these animals rather than, I left the facility eight or nine years ago, I don't remember exactly, um, to go mobile because it's just easier to bring me to them and teach the owners and the handlers of these animals, which is more important actually than training the animals themselves, is they instruct and help. Because a lot of these animals, especially the camels, are so smart and so strong in the wrong hands, they get in trouble
1: So a downside to that would be you'd get to a facility, and let's say they don't have a round pen or some adequate fencing. I mean, has that happened? Oh, yeah, I'm sure.
2: (laughs) (laughs) If it's my first trip to a place, I generally have no idea. I mean, I'll try to ask the right questions before I get there or have them pre-prepared or whatever, um, but yeah sometimes you just you know and again i have to adapt to every situation to each human to each animal and meet them and just you know i practice a lot of redneck ingenuity here.
1: <laughs> do you say do you say a prayer before you you interact with a dangerous animal i mean do you ask for the lord's help How, I, I I, and would. it
2: because it's it's about setting my energy and my intention in the mm-hmm. right place You know, because I don't step in with ego. There's no place in animal handling for ego. And so I've got to meet them with it because when we get into ego, that's where we, you know, get emotional, get angry, try to show them who's boss or, you know, the kind of Uh, attitude. And I'm that's non-conducive for the best results.
1: Very well said. So, what is the most memorable training moment
2: that you have had, that you experienced? Probably the most memorable would be the ones when I almost died. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> okay. You know, I mean, because it's what I do in some of these, you know, large horned bovine and these large mishandled camels, et etc., can be incredibly dangerous, incredibly dangerous.
1: So how do you work with an emotionally abused animal? I mean, there's is there any hope there for them to be
2: retrained? Depends completely on the animal and on the situation, how deeply ingrained, you know, there's yeah, it just there's so many variables it's, you know, really hard to say. Most of the time with proper consistency and follow up, they can turn and become much better. You know, especially like with horses, though, like I've worked with a lot of them with the PTSD type of, you know, and again, can get some of them better, but some of them, you know, they're just never really going to be able to count on them, you know, unless they're just like rode down day after day after day or, you know, I'm like, you know.
1: Yeah, I mean, that that logic, I mean, some trainers have that logic where um, they have to wear them down physically to get control of the animal to get them to submit
2: you know, and how it affected their mind, their genetic makeup, individual histories, you know, there's, there's so many variables. I've had people try to get me to do training videos, like for DVD or whatever, and I won't do that because I believe that creates a cookie cutter effect sure. of solution, okay. and and again, there's just, there's so many variables in every situation, with every handler, every facility, every animal, you know, with history, with abilities, with experiences, you know, there's just, you know, that's why I like to work one-on-one face-to-face with my clients.
1: So when you do work with um, a certain animal that's had a history to it, do you, do you study bloodlines at all?
2: Do you ever consider that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, I mean, that could sure make a difference. I mean, like, like with the camel, sometimes I'll ask, you know, wh- where was this camel bread, do you know where it was bred because i'm familiar enough with most of the camel people in this country that if so and so but it i know that he's got a real clean genetic line i know he hasn't traumatized the babies i know it's not i know it's a mama raised you know or if it's from this other place you know i know it's a bottle baby or i know it was probably traumatized and chased away and Scared, and you know, so I get an idea of kind of what type of handling in history the animal came from, what kind of genetic line they came from. Sometimes
1: a bottle baby isn't the best to work with; they're no. the really
2: spoiled ones. Yeah, well, I mean, the big steer Igor that I ride in parades—he he was a bottle baby. He oh, was really? crazy. He's incredible. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, and my camel Clyde was a bull. And he was a bottle baby, and he was absolutely incredible. Um, they were properly handled, um, good genetics, good history. You know, so it's not a fact that every bottle baby is going to be an issue. It's just that many of them, many of them okay. end up in novice hands because they're so cute and cuddly, oh, and they yeah. treat him like a cocker spaniel. They never run out in a herd situation with their own kind. They don't know how to socialize. Exactly, they're non-socialized. They're entitled. You know, they've never been told no, and then I come along and start to set some boundaries, start to set some requirements and behavior. Then they get a little bit pouty um, okay. and
1: surprised. So I'm sure you've been bit. Oh,
2: yeah, I've been bit. Kicked. Okay, now, who bit, who bit you? Well, which kind of species you talk I've been bit by... In the back? Lots, on, uh, on the arm? Uh, yeah. The, yeah? Yeah, I mean... I, I've been doing this for 40 plus years. I mean, it just, yeah, yeah. it's just inevitable. Those those are war wounds, right? Yeah, I mean, it's not if. It, it's, it's just crazy. when and how bad. Yeah, I mean. So so you travel with uh, a huge first aid kit? No. I No, no. no? I, car- the, I carry a Rosa? bandana. Is it? No, I'm I'm not even. I got Bactine in my rag. I mean. <laughs> just, oh, my goodness. I go to the doctor is if I got a broken bone. I mean, it's got to be pretty. It's
1: when you really got to go. Yeah. Yeah, And they know you by first name there at the AR?
2: No, I'm actually, I'm way more careful than I used to be. I'm getting too old, you know, and I'm much more selective. I take reasonable risks. I have to. Right. Um, But I'm, yeah, but uh, so the risky behavior is more uh, uh, around behavior. Eagle trying to prove to other humans, see what I can do. That now, that no, I'm like, uh-uh, I don't want to die today. You no, know, I really don't. <laughs> I'm not out to prove anything. What I have to prove is to the animals. I, 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 my responsibility is to sh- to conduct myself in such a way that they realize that what I'm doing and what I'm asking and what I'm requiring is safe, is consistent. Um, that I'm not a predator to them. I'm not out to get them.
1: And you have no control as to how successful that training uh, episode will be with that animal.
2: Well, yeah, I mean, it it is just, yeah, it just depends on the situation, the animal, you know, and there's only so much I can do in a matter of days. So then I instruct and help the owners and handlers. So really, I just come in and kind of set a stage. Um, And then when I leave, then it's up to them um to, to keep follow up. up and the best they can yeah and I do a lot of follow up you know whether it's just private message or through videos okay. and I come there's lots of customers I have them coming back every 90 days every 6 months every year it just depends again on the situation So do you leave them with a report card <laughs> No No okay I would think like there has been there a, a couple of times that I've pretty well said "No, you need to sell this animal cuz this is not it's not A people. right fit for you. Yeah. 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 Because I don't want to see anybody get hurt.
1: Exactly. And it just... It's not a win-win for either side.
2: Right. And that's always the goal is win-win.
1: Okay. So, um, you travel with a GPS and all that, right?
2: If I can drive there in eight hours, I usually I will drive because i got so much stuff in my little car. But if it's more than eight hours, I'm flying. Okay. So... What kind of snacks
1: do you travel with? Do you, I mean, you, you take stuff to eat and, and munch on and,
2: right? Oh, occasionally, yeah. <laughs> oh,
1: come on. I have this this box that I have to take with me wherever I go. <laughs> I can't well, believe it. I have,
2: I have uh, really bad fibromyalgia, actually, and really bad osteoarthritis. And so I stay flour and sugar free, um, along with the medication I take that keeps it under control. So okay. just snacking on crap right. is non-conducive to my abilities to be able to move comfortably. Right. So protein drinks and water and I, I don't do protein drinks, but yeah, I drink a lot of water. I just
1: okay. Good. Good, okay. I just wanted to know your little secrets there.
2: <laughs> I don't have any secrets, and I do my best to teach my way out of work, too. You know, I mean, I really do. Because ah. I have lots of it. You know, I stay booked out four or five, six months ahead all the time.
1: Well, you could take on a partner, or maybe start a school or something where you could have some some uh, trainers, or you could be a mentor I to so many. I, I
2: do take on apprentices sometimes okay. for a week or two at a time, depending okay. on what my schedule looks like. Because uh, I'm fine when I find a job, it gets really complicated, and I ain't paying them. I'm sorry, I'm just not. Uh-huh. Um, right. So it's on their tab. Um, but and we also like the camels we have if like this year will be the 14th annual camel clinic in Texas it's the largest camel clinic in the country but we also are doing one in August up in New York um I still will do an occasional I do mostly private clinics um but occasionally I'll do a a group or a public clinic I'm doing the 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 international summit in uh Tucson in November I forget what it's called Now, I don't even know exactly what it is. It's going to be my first year there, but it's a a clinic of some kind. But it's mostly about equine-assisted psychotherapies and equine-assisted learning, um, which is what part of my master's degree was for. But she's going to have me kind of introduce these exotic animals and that philosophy and line, because they're just as effective for the therapeutic value as horses are, actually.
1: Okay, now you what about the mules that, that you have worked with? What what kind of mules? What what were the issues that you had to address with them?
2: Oh, most of them is just because they've outsmarted their handlers. <laughs> so I tell people, they say, oh, he's stubborn. And I'm like, no, that's a novice word for being outsmarted by your animal. And they're not stubborn. We need to teach and mentor. They're smarter than horses. I mean, and horses, yeah, yeah well, hard donkeys hard. are really smart, too, yeah. Um both, in my opinion, are smarter than horses. Horses are sure. the most reactive and most self-destructive species I work with. Yeah.
1: yeah.
2: And so, yeah, donkeys and mules. Um, and again, it's, it's 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 about creating that relationship and that mentor and teaching and mentoring the animal. Um, no ego, no need to show them who's boss. You know, kind of attitude and.
1: This has been amazing. You are just an incredible person that is actually passionate about their work and giving so much of your life. I mean, I truly admire you and the work that you are doing.
2: Thank you. Um, I sure have a lot of fun. <laughs>
1: okay, and um, I mean, have you thought about writing a book about your life, or just you know, when you are driving down the road, just do memos, just start talking, you know, into a microphone so that you are you can
2: have yeah, a book. I that question a lot, and you no. Know, <laughs>
1: No, <laughs> we just have to enjoy you as you come and go yeah. in our lives. <laughs> yep. Well, I want to thank you for putting up with me, and thanks for coming on to Mule Talk. I appreciate it. Okay. And um, so tell us, if someone needs to get in touch with you, I mean, do you have a website or a web page? Tell us how to get in touch with you.
2: The easiest way is to find me on Terry Bowen Lindley. I'm the only one on Facebook that's the easiest, and send me a private message. Okay. Yeah. I'll answer my phone if it rings, unless I've got a name attached to it. Right, right. <laughs> so I do call, which, I mean, my number's on my page also, and it's on my t shirts, and uh-huh. but I don't answer the phone, and, you know, so they'd have to leave a message or text me. But text or messaging is the best way.
1: That, that seems to be the protocol in this industry.
2: Yeah, in these days, yeah
1: terry thanks for coming on okay and i'm gonna i'm not gonna stalk you i'm just gonna
0: follow you and keep track of you all right if you'd like to be a guest on the show or a sponsor send me an email cindy c-i-n-d-y at cowgirlsdream.com. gotta go my mule is looking for me
2: Talk is an Eric Cowgirl's Dream production.